So guys, today, great that everyone can be here. We finished our last series last week, and we're entering a new series today. It's so holy, you can't, can't read it. It's holiness, okay? It's holiness. So we're starting a mini-series on this very normal word that may, a lot of people know, right? The word holiness. But some, it can go into that kind of box of Christian words that we don't really know what on earth it means. It kind of goes in with righteousness and holiness, and we just kind of put that to the side and think, oh, that's fantastic. So that's what today is about. Because it is a word that can have a bit of confusion around it. But this message, in fact, actually prepping for the message, I'm a little nervous because I don't want you guys, if you leave today and you feel any kind of condemnation in your heart, you've misunderstood something, so please come and just speak to me. Okay, so you shouldn't be leaving today with condemnation. I believe we'll be leaving today with a challenge in our lives, a challenge on how we live, but it should be in hope of tomorrow. Today's an encouraging message because it shows us who we are in Christ, what our identity is, how we've been made. But also it's a challenging message because it calls us to align our living here and now with our identity in him. So starting off today is called Holiness, the Basics. Holiness, the basics. I don't know if anyone's ever put holiness and the word basic in the same sentence, but holiness and the basics. Do you know what it means to live holy? Do you know what it means to live holy? Living a holy life is a decision of the will of someone led by the Holy Spirit to live in line with God's word in all the things that we do, in all areas of our lives. It's a dimension of living that you can only experience when you make a decision, a decision to please, please the Father in every area of your life, in every decision that you make. That's something to meditate on, something to think about when you're doing your early morning meditation. If you take one thing away from today, take that. Does everything you do please the Father? Does everything you do please the Father? There are many believers today that you can go and say, hey, what's holiness? A lot of people wouldn't be able to give you a good answer. And so what we're going to do today is ask a few questions. There'll be three points, okay? So you can track through. Three points. First one is, what is holiness? What is holiness? Ephesians 4, 24 says, You put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So holiness isn't just another word for righteousness. This verse clearly indicates that holiness and righteousness are different things. They're two different things. See, when we speak about righteousness, and we speak about it a lot... But actually, we we rarely speak about holiness. Righteousness is about our legal standing before God. Our legal standing before God, that we are right with God. That you were made righteous because of what Christ Jesus did on the cross. He provided that right standing with God, not by your own works and effort and trying to be spiritual enough and holy enough, but because of what he did. You haven't ever worked at being righteous. No one ever could. No one ever could work and work their way into righteousness. You know, the only one who's ever lived a righteous life completely is Jesus. Righteousness is not an exercise of your will. It is a state of being. You're either alive, spiritually alive, in Christ and declared righteous and are given his righteousness, or you're not. And it's all because of what Jesus did. But holiness is another matter. And there's actually, there are three types of holiness, three types of holiness the Bible kind of refers into. And so what I want to do is I'm just going to start by just explaining those three before we go deeper into one of them. There's a holiness that we received 
when we came to Christ. At the same time that we received our righteousness, we were also declared holy, that we were made holy. In 1 John 1.7 it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, some translations say holy fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Because holiness is walking in a life without sin, right? Purifies us from all sin. Theologically, the big word, you don't have to remember this, but for those of you who are interested, is called positional sanctification. Positional sanctification. Sanctification is that process of us becoming more like Jesus. But this here is a It's called positional sanctification, that immediately you're declared that. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter is declaring that over people who are still struggling with stuff, just like you and me. Peter speaks of this new state that we have and declares us holy, even though we still mess up, even though we still sin. So as well as being made holy, as well as being made holy and declared holy, we're also called to live holy lives. This is the challenge of today. We're called to live holy lives. 1 Peter 1 15. And we're going to touch on this a few more times as we go through. If you want one core verse, that can be it for today. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Not just in some things, not just be holy on a Sunday. Be holy in all you do. The things people see, the things people don't see. The things that are right out in the open, the things that are hidden in secret. Be holy in all you do. Act in a way that is just like the one who's called you. We're called and commanded to live in a new way, aren't we? According to God's word, not in alignment with the world. And you'll hear this term come up up a lot when we say the world. And the world is talking about everything in our existence which is going against what God is talking about. We can only do this by living by the power of the Holy Spirit, following the principles of life that he's communicated to us, the voice of God in print, the Bible, through his word. See, this daily practice of holiness, living lives worthy of our calling. Remember, we're called to do that, live lives worthy of our calling. That, theologically, is called progressive sanctification. That we are on a journey, that we are still messing up. But actually, if you think of the day you became a Christian, maybe years ago, maybe months ago, to today, you're living differently. You're making different decisions, different choices. This is where we're going to base today. This is the challenges of today, your life. See, despite all our best intentions and all our best efforts, we will also, we sin. We do fall short. Romans 7, 18 to 19 says, For I know, there's a Paul speaking, he, he says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. This is Paul. That is in my sinful nature. Another word for that is the flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good. But I cannot carry it out, for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So we'll only experience a full and complete holiness in heaven, where sin is completely removed from our lives, ultimately in eternity. That is a process that theologians call perfective sanctification. So positional sanctification, you're made holy. Progressive sanctification, this work in us of our will, living with the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit, seeing change and transformation come into our lives, living holy as He is holy. 
That's where today is based. And then also perfect of sanctification that ultimately, in eternity, will be completely perfect, that will be completely holy. So what does the word holiness mean? Actually, what, what does it mean as a word? Because sometimes when we think of it, it's just one of those kind of Christian words that we've got in that Christian, this a bit random kind of box, and it's just kind of shining and bright in our minds. But actually, it simply means separation to God. Now, another meaning of the word is actually separation for God. I'm not going to dwell on that too much, but maybe we will later in the series. Separation for God too, for, as in for a purpose. But holiness, and it's, this word, it speaks of the conduct befitting those so separated to God. What separate mean? To set apart, to disunite, to divide, to sever, to disconnect, to part company, to go in a different direction, to cease to be associated, to become distinct, or to disengage as cream separates from the milk, to come apart, to see a distinction in. So there's a problem if your life and the life of somebody out in the world, no one would know any different. So this holiness, that progressive sanctification, is a decision of your free will as you are led by the Holy Spirit. As you're led by the Holy Spirit. It's what you choose to do with your life. It's the decisions that you make every single day. It's how you choose to lead your life. How you choose to lead your life. It's your conduct. Living according to God's commandment. In short, holiness is doing the things that please the Father. Doing the things that please the Father. Are you running all your decisions through this question? Are you running all your decisions and actions through that filter? Does this please the Father? Does this please the Father? Is this thing I'm do does, it, does this thing I'm going to do please the Father? Not, does it not hurt somebody else? Because there's plenty of stuff we can do that hurts no one else, but it certainly hurts us. But that certainly wouldn't please the Father. Does this please the Father? Does he look and smile on the decision we make? Anyone here who's a parent knows it's what great joy and what a pleasing thing it is when your children make good and wise decisions. So ask that question. Does this please the Father? Because you know you're answering that. Yes, you're walking in that way. That is holiness flowing into your life. See, holiness is what you do with your time and your actions. It, it's what decisions you make. The decisions you make today will be the life that you have tomorrow. The decisions you make today will be the life you have tomorrow. I'm not in prison, but if I go and shoot someone in the head and decide to do that, I will be in prison tomorrow, very likely. The things, that we, the things we decide on today. If I jump out of a plane, I'm not dead. But probably in five minutes, I will be. The decisions we make today are super important. Holiness is what you do with your time. It's living to please God. And it blooms as this beautiful fruit in your life. This beautiful fruit in your life. That word fruit is so important for you to get. So important. Andrew Womack said this. He said, holiness is a fruit, not the root. Holiness is the fruit, not the root. For many years, it had been taught that you've got to get super holy. That's the root of your faith. That's the root of your life. You've got to get everything sorted. You've got to get everything sorted out so that you are rooted and strong, and then you can grow and bear much fruit. But actually, that's not true. It, it's the other way around. Holiness is a fruit, not the root. In other words, living a holy life is not the way to God. Living a holy life is not the way to God. It's a byproduct of being a child of God. It's a byproduct of being born again and experiencing the fullness of grace that's poured out on you. It's a very subtle but super important truth for you to get. You, don't, you do not 
You do not live a holy life to get God to love you, to get God to save you and let you into heaven, whatever you may have been taught. You don't live a holy life to get God to bless you. Because it's all because of grace. He already loves you. He already loves you. He loved you so much that 2,000 years ago, he sent Christ to die for you. So that today, 2,000 years later, you wouldn't have to die, but you could have eternal life. He's already promised his blessings over you, his favor over his children. It's It's a promise. You don't live holy to get saved or to get God to move. You don't live holy to get saved or to get God to move. Hey, I've been super holy this week, God. I haven't haven't done anything wrong. Well, you're probably doing it wrong there because you're prideful. But I haven't done anything wrong. You've got to do this for me. It's not how the kingdom works. It's not how the kingdom works. You come to God with works. He says, sorry, that money, that currency doesn't work here. I've only got grace for you. I've only got grace for you. But it's so important. So why live a holy life? Why live a holy life? Because for many people, they've lived holy lives out of fear of going to hell, or they've lived holy lives because they're trying to twist God's arm around his back to get him to do stuff. And so if that's been the standpoint of your mind, say, okay, well, why on earth? Why live a holy life? If, God, if I'm saved because of grace, if, if favor's poured on me because of grace, of everything that he's already done, why live a holy life? You live a holy life because you are motivated by your relationship with and love for the Father. That's why it's a fruit. Not to get to it, not to get to a relationship with God, but because the enormity of God's love that you've experienced and seeing how much God loves you and how far he's gone for you and you experience that, your only response that's logical is... I'm going to live according to what you say. I'm going to live a life pleasing to you, God. I'm going to live a life pleasing to you. Meditate on the love of the Father. It will blow your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit and in your meditation. Just reveal, reveal to me as much of the Father's love that you think I can handle. See, living a, living a holy life is a, or is responding to the love of the Father. Living a holy life is responding to the love of the Father rather than trying to get him to respond to you. Point two. So how can we live a holy life? How can we live a holy life? Romans 12, 2a says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. The Bible warns us again and again And again, to draw a definite line between his children and the world. That means our thoughts, our actions, our words, our behavior should be noticeably different. Should look like Jesus. Should look like Jesus. Some of you guys will remember that, the well, I don't have the quote here, but it, ancient Romans saying that everyone loves the Christians because the Jews help the Jews. The pagans help the pagans, but the Christians, they help everybody. Does your life look like Jesus? Do you have his joy, his faith, his peace, his love, his patience? Do you make the decisions Jesus would make? Because Jesus' decision-making was all based on pleasing the Father. That first Peter, 1 Peter 1.5 verse again. As the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all, in all your conduct and manner of living. Wow, that's challenging. That's challenging, isn't it? It's so hard. Some days we just love... You know, we're just riled up. Say the wrong thing. Kick the cat. I don't have a cat, by the way. It's such an easy thing to say, I'm just human. We're just human. And it becomes one of those, we call them in English, truisms. Things that you just say and people think that they're true because they're said so much. But actually, and to to an extent it is true, 
But when we say that, we're referring, aren't we, to that classic human nature, that fallen state. Not a child of God, adopted into sonship, who's experienced the love of the Father, who is called, someone who's called into holiness to be like the one who is holy that's called them into that place. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we still have sin in our lives. But what happens when you fall into it? Is it, well, I'm only human, I'm only human, or is it getting on our knees? Remember the lamb in the mud? Help! The lamb bleats, the pig wallows. It says, get me out of here, calling on Jesus. Jesus, I'm struggling in this area of my life, whatever it may be. I'm struggling in this area of my life. Help me. Help me. I need your help. I need your help here. And then we move on, and we move on. Be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. Sadly, it's not how loads of believers around the world live. Many, for many, go to church on a Sunday, be all happy and nice on a Sunday, then go home and kick the cat again. Go home and live like the world for the rest of the week. It shouldn't be like that. Hebrews 10.10 says, and part of it says, we've been set apart as holy. That we are in the world. Remember Jesus said, you're in the world, but not of the world. You're in the world, but not of the world. To be set apart means we're not living like the world. Not thinking like the world. Not accepting sickness like would be accepted in the world. Not broke like the world. Not lacking like the world not engaging in sin like the world. Instead, there's a separation from the world. Instead of walking in its ways, we're walking in his ways. We're walking in God's ways. So how can we do this? How can we live holy? A lot of it has to do with what we're feeding on. A lot has to do with what we're feeding on. Do you remember that guy who ate McDonald's every day for a year? He wasn't very well at the end of the year. I love McDonald's. But it's bad for me if I eat it every day, right? What are you feeding on? If you spend most of your time watching secular television, it's going to have an effect. In fact, there's some stuff I'd really advise, like, don't watch horror. Don't watch horror. What are you putting in your head? Listening to secular music, watching the news, hanging out with people that are negatively influencing you. I'm not saying never do any of those things, right? Because we're in the world, right? It's good to see the news and things like that. But if the majority of your time is spent in those things, in those places, then there's this thing of being unequally yoked with the world. It will have an effect on you. I guarantee it will have an effect on you. I've had times in my life when I've been in that position, going to church on a Sunday but spending the rest of the week in the world. It affects you. You begin to live differently. Your culture, everything begins to shift. In the world, sexual sin, violence, bad language, getting drunk, so often celebrated. Well, morality, Christian values, God's word, so often scorned and scoffed and laughed at. You know, that's why, that's why in 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? You know, if you're going into a business venture, for example, and you're teaming up with somebody who just wants to completely deal very, like very badly with someone, not good. Can't put the two things together. It isn't saying shut yourself away from the world. Be a monk. It's not saying that. It isn't saying have no friends who are unbelievers. Many of my family don't believe. It's not saying don't, don't do that. It's saying don't let the world influence you. If you spend most of your quality time, most of your quality time, in friendships with people who regularly just going out getting drunk, or sexually immoral, or spend all their time slandering other people, saying how bad they are, and there's just this tirade of negativity, it's going to affect you. We should be there, be friends, be family with people who 
don't know the gospel. Love them. Bring the good news into those situations. Jesus is a great example, isn't he? He didn't shut himself away in somewhere. He got involved. He spent time with a lot of different people. He loved people. He spent time with unbelievers. He shared the gospel with them. He, he shared the truth with them. He lived in a way where their, their behavior didn't compromise him. But he fellowshiped deeply, deeply with the disciples. He gave the best of himself to the disciples, to them. James 4, 4b. It's a challenging verse. It says, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Sometimes it can feel challenging to be set apart. Right? Sometimes it can feel challenging because it means we stand out. God knew ahead of time that that, that kind of thing can involve persecution. In the Roman world, when John's writing this, many of the Christians are persecuted because a lot of our world today is impacted by Christianity. And so a lot of, a lot of lines are blurred. But back then, real challenges, because the Christians were standing up and challenging the state on how they were, because the state's policies weren't lining up. The Roman state wasn't lining up with the Word of God. Many people, that's why so many people were persecuted and killed. John 17, 14, the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. But also remember that great blessing and honor comes to those who are persecuted for his sake. Matthew 5, 10, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what God approves of. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. If you've got the U version, that's what the word of today was actually. 1 John 2, 15 to 16. Epic. Do not love the world. Big challenge, guys. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Remember what we said. We said to live holy is living a life pleasing to the Father. It's a response to the love of the Father. And it carries on. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world, the root of all the, th like the, th the three roots of sin, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. When you were born again, when you were born again, this is the reality you live in every day. When you were born again, when you came to Jesus, and you, you were tra it says you're translated from the kingdom of sorry from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. It says it in Colossians 1:13. God has rescued us from the power of darkness, power of darkness, and has brought us into the kingdom of His Son, whom He loves. That isn't just something that happens spiritually and has no effect on today. That's the place we live in. You can't separate that truth from our everyday experience. There is a dominion of darkness. There is a kingdom of the beloved son that we're called to bring. That as we bring that into spaces when we live there, something's got to bow the knee. Either you change your behavior to walk back in line with how people would walk within the dominion of darkness, or you say, actually, no, that's not this, this is how we live according to, to God's word. Encourage people in that, because that brings life. The Bible instructs us to be sober in these last days. It teaches that we should be serious about holiness. Because sometimes grace is so great and powerful and had been so needed to be preached for hundreds of years, and for the last decade or so has been preached brilliantly across the church, very strongly. But within that, this 
actual, okay, now they're experiencing the fullness of God's love. It means we live differently. We can't say, well, I've got grace, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. We live differently. Be sober-minded in these days. Be serious about holiness. Hebrews 12, 14, or the beginning, and I, I cut out a section of it. Follow holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow holiness, without, without which no man shall see the Lord. If we want to live a holy life, we must be disconnected from the world and its ways and connected to God and his ways. What's your response going to be? His response? Or the world's response? Is it really possible though? Is it really possible to live holy? Yes. Holiness isn't some crazy out there, super scary spiritual thing. It is a journey that we're going on, that we're changing day by day. Everyone in the body of Christ is called to walk in it, to call to walk in holiness. We've been given that robe of righteousness. We've been made holy and we're called to live lives of holiness that reflect the spiritual reality of the righteousness and holiness that has been declared over us. See, we don't just get saved to go to heaven, but until we get there, we live like hell. The Holy Spirit will lead us into those places. Live lives worthy of your calling. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us for that purpose. He sanctifies us. He challenges us. But he doesn't, he doesn't control us in as far as, like, I don't think, actually, I want to do this thing. But the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't. You have to do this. And I can't even control myself. He gives us free choice. We have free will. But if he leads us and we truly allow him to lead us, then he will lead us into all holiness. The Holy Spirit directs us into holiness. He is the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. Where else would he lead us? If we're following him, more into holiness or less into holiness? Last point, point three. How do we overcome temptation? The big challenge throughout all of this is sin, right? How the big challenge with living holy are the temptations in life. The sins that are there, that, oh, that looks good. That would be awesome. How can we overcome? So something practical. Flee. Flee temptation to live a holy life. Second Timothy 2, Paul writes in that, and he said there's not, a, I don't think I've got that down. It says, flee the evil desires. Flee the evil desires. You can resist any temptation that comes your way. Do you know that? That you have the power. You've got the power and the grace. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, When you are tempted, God will also provide a way out. We must flee from temptation. We must flee from temptation to live a holy life. What are your big temptations? We're all stronger in some areas, weaker in others. What are your big temptations? And don't think about what's culturally bad. What are your big temptations? You'll know what they are. Outbursts of anger. Sexual immorality. Greed. Maybe that's eating too much. Maybe that's wanting too much. Slander. Okay? Slander. Backbiting, speaking negatively, gossip. Gossip is speaking negatively about somebody not in their presence. Love of money, desire for power. Flee from all those things, run. Here's some tough questions for you guys, some tough questions. Whose job is it to keep ourselves pure? Whose job is it to keep ourselves pure? Who's, thanks for taking part. That's awesome. I'm used to Scotland. 
Um, whose job is it to straighten out things that are displeasing to God in our lives? Sure, we engage with God in it. We pray to him for it. Whose job is it to flee from temptation? Is God responsible? No. No. Was he responsible for Adam and Eve when they disobeyed him in the garden? No. He told them exactly what to do, and he told them exactly what would happen if they did it. Or exactly what not to do, and exactly what would happen if they did it. They didn't listen to him. They had a choice. Because we have this beautiful life with God of love and choice. It's the only way things can work. But they knew what they did. They knew what was going on. Because God had said to them, if you eat that tree, you'll surely die. And guess what? Adam and Eve died in many ways. Physically they died. They didn't die right there and then. They didn't drop dead. Okay? But many years later, they died. We have a choice. We have a choice too. Sin, if you're unsure on it, sin leads to death. And it may not be that you drop down dead, but there is a kind of death that will happen. James 1.15 says, when lust, well you could think of it as desire, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You want death in your life? Sin. Sow sin in your life and that will produce death. Kinds of death. Death in finances, death in relationships. Event for some things, death within the body. Many, many different things because the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. Praise God, the power of sin is broken. So flee temptation because sin produces a kind of death. 2 Corinthians 7 1. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit and live a holy life. Live a holy life in the fear of God. Live a holy life in the fear of God. We are temples. The Bible says we're temples of the Holy Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit of the living God, that we've come alive in Him. So when our flesh rises up, I'm not talking about the body as such, I'm talking the flesh, the sinful nature. When that rises up, the Bible says, crucify it. Crucify it. It's done. It's dead. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to, Jesus, to Christ Jesus have crucified their corrupt nature, their flesh, along with its passions and desires. What does that mean to crucify our flesh, to crucify our fallen nature? That means that we do not live anyway that it wants to. It's like what Paul was saying, that he struggled. He struggled because his flesh, he did the things that he didn't want to do. He did the things that his flesh wanted him to do. But we crucify it. When it says, oh, let's go do that. That's great. Let's go and do that thing. Let's go and do that thing that's against the, the word of God. Let's go do that. That looks really fun. That's going to be really great. What do you say? You say, shut up. Say, no way. You say, flesh, shut up. You're not going there. You're not doing that. I don't, hmm. I don't even want to hear that here. I don't want to hear that here. You lay down the law. Do you remember two weeks ago, we spoke about that tough question to do with healing. And within that, we spoke about the makeup of a human. And we spoke about that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. That when we come to Christ, our spirit, which is dead, comes alive in Christ. That we're declared completely righteous and made perfect. 
Your spirit needs to lead you. Your spirit needs to lead you. That's who you are, right? Your body will die one day, or your body will stop working, and you, in that moment, will be in the presence of Jesus. If right now, you are with Jesus. So a spirit, soul, and body, you need to have your spirit as the leader of your soul. The soul was your mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. And leader of your body. When your spirit, that's you, that's the real you, isn't leading, then everything goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. We've got other words for it. Sometimes people would describe those people are led by their emotions. Those people are led by their desires. They're led by, we wouldn't actually say this, but led by cold, hard logic, just this intellectual system. It's like, come on, do you have no heart? Like, it's ridiculous, let's just do this. And they're just following the system. Someone whose spirit is leading them is led by that part that's completely alive in Christ, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and is in turn being led by the Holy Spirit into holiness. Emotions are beautiful, okay? I'm not saying emotions aren't important. Your soul is beautiful. It is God-given. And for many people, they're so far along on the journey of sanctification, of walking in holiness, that actually your emotion, your emotions and your desires and your spirit, they're all on the same page. But often when we come to faith, our emotions are going through that thing, our desires are going through that process, catching up with what's happened in your spirit. We should be people led by our spirits who are led by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. So temptation will come to us all from all directions. Do you remember Joseph? Just gets a job, doesn't he? Joseph gets a job in this guy Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife is like, "Mm, wow, Joseph, you look beautiful. And she tries to sleep with him many, many times. And it finally comes, comes to a head, and they just... She just grabs him, and he grabs his clothes, says, you must sleep with me. And what he does is exactly like the response from, the, from what Jesus said in the New Testament, how to respond. He flees sexual immorality. He flees, and he runs, and he goes, doesn't he? He leaves the house and runs. To live a holy life, we need to flee temptation. Don't entertain it. Don't consider it. Don't have lunch with it. Don't think twice about it. Flee, run, take drastic action. Take drastic action. Take drastic action. Because remember, sin produces death. In the words of the famous theologian Gandalf, it's a joke, by the way, if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, apologies. But remember that line where he says, run, you fools. He's holding onto the edge. Run, you fools. There's that massive monster that's behind him. Run, you fools. And that's the word for us. Run. Stand there and think, I can take that thing out. No way. No way. No way. Obey the word of God to live a holy life. As we, read, uh, as we read earlier in 1 Peter 1.15, be holy in all you do. If you're living separated to God, disconnected from darkness, you're going to stand out. You will stand out. People will notice a difference. People will notice a difference. Often people who come to faith, suddenly they go back to their mates and people are like, you're so changed. Everything's changed about you. Your joy, you, just, you feel different. What's happened? Hear so many stories like that. Sin hasn't changed. Holiness hasn't changed. So to live a holy life, we don't go by what the world says is good and right at this point in history. Because if we're constantly doing what's good and right at this point in history, then we're constantly, it's going to be changing all the time. It doesn't work like that. See, the word, the Bible, God's voice in print, calls culture into account, not the other way around. We're not perfect. We're not perfect people. 
We keep falling short. But the beauty is, on our journey, as we're walking in holiness, being led by the Holy Spirit into that, grace kicks in. And it reveals our salvation. And it reveals our worth. It reveals that our righteousness, our right standing before God, doesn't depend on what we do. And it's beautiful. But what Christ has already done through Jesus, that it's the free gift for anyone who would come to him. See, that gives us strength to live a life that pleases him, a life that will honor him. We're not forced to do it. We're not forced to live holy. But we choose to walk in ways that please him because of our love for the Father. Holiness is the fruit of a life lived in response to the love of the Father. Holiness is the fruit of a life lived in response to the love of the Father. Sir, can I invite you to come back up? So guys, we're just going to go into a response time now. If you're here today or you're listening to the podcast, I know this is a ch- there's a challenges in this message. If you feel condemned, please don't be. You shouldn't feel condemned from this. There's great joy in it. But if you feel challenged, that's great. You should be. I feel really challenged. I feel really challenged from this message. Because it can be so easy to not take that thing seriously. Hey, it's my life pleasing in every way, in all things, to the Father. So we're going to take a little time now just to respond. Um, Sarah's going to Sarah's going to play. Um, so this is a moment because once we go out of here, we go in for food, and then our week rushes us away. Just between you and God. So I just invite you guys close your eyes. Even if you're here today and you've never prayed before, you can pray. Remember, you don't have to be holy enough. This could be the most awesome first prayer. If you don't know Him, just ask Him to begin revealing to you who he is if you're here today and you've been challenged in any area of your life to change just discuss that with him discuss it with him just take time now to speak to God make those decisions if you're suffering temptation in any particular area just make that decision whatever it looks like to run away from it, take extreme action to get away. And the big challenge for us all is ask him to give you a fresh understanding of the Father's love towards you. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit, as a place, you just come and fill this place and reveal to us afresh your love for us love for us if you're here or on the podcast and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life you want to say actually I want to begin following Jesus I've never actually made a decision to say yes I want to follow you Jesus I want to invite you to do that we're going to pray right now Um, I'll say a prayer you can just repeat the prayer after me you'll say it under your breath it's fine then afterwards as all eyes are closed I'm not going to call you out the front but I'd love to connect with you. I'm just going to ask you just to pop your hand up in the air and I'd love to connect with you afterwards. So guys, if that's you and you're here on the podcast, as all eyes are closed, just just say this after me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin. Thank you for bringing me back into relationship with the Father. Thank you for giving me your righteousness. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for your promise of eternal life. For raising me to life and for your eternal love. Holy Spirit, thank you for your comfort. 
for your guidance and for your presence. I choose to follow you, Lord. I choose to give you my life and walk in step with you from this day forward. Guys, just keep your eyes closed. If anyone's here today and you prayed that, just as all eyes are closed, can you just pop your hand up in the air? Thank you. Just give it another minute. If there's anyone else, if you prayed that today, just pop your hand up in the air. If you're listening on the podcast as well, please connect with us. Send the message in. Guys, we're going to go into a response time now. If you'd like prayer, please put your hands open in your laps. Palms facing upwards. And someone will come around and pray with you. Father God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for just your grace upon us, for your grace flowing through our lives, God. Lord, thank you that you are marvelous and beautiful. Holy Spirit, thank you that you lead us and that you help us live in this life of holiness. Lord, that you would lead us into all holiness, God. Lord, I pray for us as a church, God, that more and more, day by day, we would be more and more conquerors not in our own strength, but because of you, Jesus. Because of you, Holy Spirit, as you lead us forward. Lord, I pray that holiness would just blossom as a fruit of the lives in this place, but blossom as a fruit of this church, God. That there would be a, just a, a beautiful representation of you. That, Lord, that we as a church would be holy as you too are holy. In your mighty name.